You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the importance of the safety position Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos and why they could be huge factors in the improvement of this defense in 2020 and 2021 and beyond. We're also going to talk about why it's so critical We've talked a lot about the Packers' offense over the course of this offseason and getting better at the receiver position and what are they going to do when Brian Bulaga leaves, and we've talked about the run defense. I want to talk about overall this Packers' defense, why it is so important for them to play well, not just in the regular season, but in the postseason. And we're also going to talk about Dexter Williams, which is a player we have not talked a lot about on this podcast, but is someone that Matt LaFleur singled out as someone who could help this team in an impactful way in 2020. Let's start, though, with this conversation about the safety position. The NFL may not value the safety position enough, and that is something that runs counter to conventional wisdom, certainly what I had thought until pretty recently, in fact. Last offseason, I talked about the safety position and said, hey, you know, look, the NFL has decided that this is just not that valuable a position. And then, of course, the Packers go out and they pay Adrian Amos and we see Earl Thomas and Tyron Matthew and these big, these big contracts. What Pro Football Focus found when they did a positional value evaluation in terms of wins above replacement, they found quarterbacks were by far the most impactful position. By far. 2.5 wins was the top 10 war average for quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus. The next highest position was receiver at 0.7 wins above replacement. So we're talking about three to four times more impactful, the quarterback position. Now, the third most impactful, the third most contributing to winning position, according to Pro Football Focus, was the safety position. And this is somewhat intuitive if we think it through a little bit more because safeties can impact the run game, sure. You fill in the run game, you have gap responsibilities, And you need to have alley defenders if you want to be able to defend the run. One of the reasons the Packers run defense late in the season in the NFC Championship game, for example, was so poor is they had really poor discipline with the safeties. Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage played 
probably their worst combined game of the season. Individually, they were each really bad, and then together they were even worse. You go back to that Week 2 Vikings game, that Dalvin Cook long run happened because Darnell Savage took a bad angle. And you hope that as a rookie, those are kinks that you can iron out, that you can work through. And this safety position, though, is potentially extremely impactful in particular because Mike Patton's defense prioritizes it over, for example, the linebacker position. So there has been a lot of concern. Okay, Christian Kirksey, can he stay healthy? Is he an upgrade over Blake Martinez? I honestly don't think it matters that much. When you look at that same data study by Pro Football Focus, they found the linebacker position was the third least impactful position in terms of contributing to winning. It was linebacker, then running back, and then defensive line. Defensive line was way down there. This is also another shot across the bow for those who think that the run defense is really important. Well, defensive linemen mostly contribute to run defense. So if they're not contributing to winning, then maybe the run defense is not as important. When you're getting the level of safety play that the Packers are getting from Adrian Amos, and then you look at the upside potential of someone like Darnell Savage, even before we get to whoever is playing that hybrid nickel safety role, Raven Green probably, there are some potentially other candidates for that role. When you just look at Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage and their ability to play in the box, Savage's ability to play in the slot, the, the options to play deep and cover you know a half or the middle of the field. It's incredibly impactful in the pass and the run game. And, and it really comes down to this. Linebackers are going to be more impactful at the line of scrimmage. They're in the box. They're going to impact the running game a little bit more. They do impact the passing game in some ways. But they're not nearly impactful. You think of someone like Bobby Wagner, who is, in my opinion, the best middle linebacker in football. Well, uh, the Seahawks were not a great passing defense last year, middle of the pack in DVOA, 15th against the pass. But you look at the best safeties in the league. How many of the best safeties in the league played on bad defenses? Really, none of them. And that is indicative. There is a causation there. It's not just correlation. Earl Thomas being in Baltimore and them having an outstanding defense is not a coincidence. Baltimore has had a great defense for a long time, but they didn't have great linebacker play, especially inside linebacker play last year. They had great secondary play. And if you have great secondary play, it helps you be an elite defense. If you want to be able to stop the run, you want to prevent the long runs in San Francisco. One of the reasons why they had so many long runs is you had breakdowns up front that were not covered up by your safeties. You know, Earl Thomas with the Legion of Boom, one of the reasons that he was such an incredible player was he was able to erase things on the back end, erase mistakes. One of the reasons Richard Sherman never got beat deep. I mean, Richard Sherman never got beat deep. And one of the reasons was you couldn't throw deep against Earl Thomas because he was going to intercept it like every time it seemed. And it, it didn't matter if he actually literally intercepted it every time. You thought he was going to because that's how good he was. 
when you have safeties that are capable of playing at that level, it changes everything about the geometry for your offense as an opponent because you're worried about this stuff. I mean, the fact that the Seahawks could play cover three always is really a tribute to Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman because it didn't matter that you knew what they were going to play because they were so good at executing it. And and truly the linchpin of that defense was Earl Thomas in the back end. If they didn't have Earl Thomas playing free safety, and we saw it, when Earl Thomas got hurt, that defense was bad. And it was not nearly as good last year without him. And of course, not having Richard Sherman hurts you too, but Shaq Griffin is a solid player. They have some quality corners. But when you don't have the safety position, you don't have the same sort of flexibility. You don't have the same sort of intimidation. So let's say the Packers this year, Adrian Amos can continue to be what he was last year and Darnell Savage takes a step forward. Well, now you have a guy that can play deep. He can play in the box. He can blitz off the edge. They did that a ton. Mike Patton loved to blitz Darnell Savage early in the season because, hey, guess what? If you want to simplify things for a rookie, just let him blitz. Just let him rush off the edge. The, the Chargers did the same thing with Derwin James. Just go get the quarterback. Just go, just go use your athleticism and try and make a play. And it worked. And, and they were effective in those kinds of blitz packages. And then in the second half of the season, they decided, hey, look, uh, you can play in the back end. And we trust you to do that. So we can show a, an eight-man pressure look and then rush three and get home because you're worried about this eight-man pressure look. That was the, the brilliance of Mike Patton last season. The safety position in Green Bay is as fundamentally important to what Mike Patton wants to be as any other position and and maybe more because if you're going to rush, if you're going to blitz, you need to trust your cornerbacks to hold up and you need to trust your safeties to erase mistakes. And you need those safeties to be able to fill gaps in the run game because you're going to play small. And so this is a lot of responsibility. You need those safeties to be able to also blitz off the edge and handle those responsibilities. You may even need them to cover in the slot. Darnell Savage was a name that has come up as someone who can help replace what you're losing with Tremont Williams not being on this roster. And it's it's possible that Tremont Williams comes back at some point, but Darnell Savage was a corner at Maryland and can play in the slot and could give you that sort of honey badger type role someone who can play a little bit of everywhere, you are hurting your defense if you're not letting Darnell Savage and, frankly, Adrian Amos play a little bit of everywhere. That's probably true of Chan and Sullivan, and that's why when he was on the podcast, I was like, hey, the three of you guys on the field gives Mike Patton tremendous versatility. Just just throw you guys out there and, and see what combinations you can come up with. And he was like, hey, let's go. Let's roll. I think that's a great idea. And, and he was all for it. It seems like the Packers are also all for it, which could unlock this defense in a really meaningful way. One of the reasons that I know Packer fans can be a little hesitant to go in on defense is they've been burned before. And this was something I was taking a look at yesterday. I was looking at you know, how, how often have the Packers really had a top defense? And I went through and I looked in the Aaron Rodgers era. 
the Packers have had a top 10 defense by DVOA four times. 2009, they were number two in DVOA. They gave up 45 points in the wild card game against the Cardinals. Got absolutely torched with the defensive player of the year in the secondary. Charles Woodson and that defense were lit on fire by Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald, and that group. And still, they had a chance late in that game to win. It still took a bogus non-call on a face mask penalty in overtime to lose that game. But that team was really good, and they proved it the next season when the number two defense by DVOA, they went and they won the Super Bowl. That team was balanced. For most of the year, that team led the league in net passer rating. That was a really good team. Sam Shields was a rookie. Tremont Williams, Charles Woodson, Colin Jenkins, Clay Matthews was a star. B.J. Raji was a rising star. You had Nick Collins still. Nick Collins' departure was a paradigmatic shift when he was lost because the Packers struggled to find a safety to play back there. And as we just talked about, you lose that continuity, you lose that talent at safety, and you've got major problems. It was a problem for the Packers for years and and remained a problem outside of you know one or two really good ha-ha Clinton Dick seasons until now when Darnell Savage is a potential star and you have Adrian Amos, one of the steadiest, most reliable safeties in football. In 2012, the Packers had another top 10 defense. They were the number eight defense by DVOA. A lot of those same faces, Clay Matthews, they added Nick Perry. You still have Charles Woodson, Sam Shields. And in the playoffs, they gave up 45 points. Does that sound familiar? 45. 45 points to the 49ers in a historic defensive collapse in which they allowed the most rushing yards to a quarterback in the history of the NFL playoffs. Colin Kaepernick absolutely lit them up. And that was when Dom Capers, it looked like, was toast. 2011, they were terrible on defense. 2012, they get embarrassed in the divisional round in San Francisco. The Packers were 31 points. I mean, it's easy to forget. The Packers' offense did not struggle to score points in that game. It was just the Packers could absolutely not do anything to stop Colin Kaepernick, and that was a good defense. In 2015, they were another top 10 defense. They were ninth in DVOA. And you may remember that the 2015 season ended in Arizona after some ridiculous Aaron Rodgers heroics, fourth and a mile, And then they convert the Hail Mary, both to Jeff Janis. Yes, they probably should have gone for two. This is something that Bill Barnwell loves to bring up. They should have gone for two. I agree they should have gone for two because they were the the inferior team. They didn't have Devontae Adams. They didn't have Randall Cobb. They were throwing at Jeff Janis and Jared Aberderis. They were at a huge disadvantage. It is much more likely you win the game in one play than you win the game in an extra quarter, basically. Well, that top 10 defense gave up the game-winning drive in overtime of the divisional round. That's it. That's the list of top 10 defenses in the Aaron Rodgers era. I thought I actually thought in my in my memory 2014 they had a really good defense 16th by DVOA. 11th against the pass, 24th against the run. 
the Packers were better last season overall defensively against the pass and, believe it or not, against the run than the 2014 Packers. It just so happened that Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of the league. That offense was unbelievable. And they were a really good team overall, in part because the offense was really good and the defense was good enough. The Packers could have a very good defense in 2020. And we've we've offered the case for defensive improvements. And, you know, they were a top 10 secondary last season, top 10 passing defense. We went through this whole case yesterday. It's not enough to just be capable of doing it. You have to be able to do it in the postseason. And the Packers have built a team that can do it, but they have to do it. And in some ways that falls on Mike Patton and he has had some some major postseason wins. He hasn't had any uh, what I would consider postseason embarrassments in terms of scheme. I don't think it was scheme that that cost Green Bay against San Francisco. You know, people say, oh, well, they played too small. Well, they actually played their most base well above average in terms of the base defense that they played against San Francisco. The Packers just didn't play well. Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith did not hold strong edges. The alley defenders did not play well. The safeties in pursuit were really bad. The tackling was really bad. And the offense for the Packers played really bad. You can't blame the offense for losing the, the 2009 game. Aaron Rodgers was awesome in that game. It's one of the best, one of the single best playoff debuts in any sport. Aaron Rodgers was unbelievable in that game. After an early interception and a little bit of a sluggish start, he absolutely lit the Cardinals up. You look at 2012, again, they scored 31 points. And with absolutely no help, Aaron Rodgers, by prestidigitation, led the Packers to a game-tying drive at the end of regulation to give them a chance to win in overtime. The offense did what it needed to do. The defense came up short. They can't afford that in 2020 because the offense, as as we sit here now, is not good enough to deal with that. It's not what the Packers were in 2014. And even if they take that year two step, even if they take that step forward that they think they can take in the second year with Matt LaFleur, they're not going to be 2014. They're not going to, they're not going to beat up bad teams and be up 42, nothing at halftime. And they're just not going to be that in all likelihood. They don't have Jordy Nelson in his prime, Randall Cobb in his prime and the, and the ascendant Devonte Adams, Eddie Lacy, an outstanding offensive line. They just don't have that same benefit of having that much talent. And scheme just doesn't make up enough of that. And of course, you know, Aaron Rodgers not being Aaron freaking Rodgers anymore, at least consistently week to week, is the number one reason why it's unlikely they will be that. So you need your defense to be better. You need your defense to be something closer to what you were you were getting in those early Aaron Rodgers seasons where they were, you know, top five in defense. They can be that even with a mediocre run defense. Don't be all time bad. I've said that about a hundred times on this show, maybe more. Don't be all time bad stopping the run. Just be normal run of the mill bad. Just be like the 16th worst run defense in the league. And then be a top five passing defense. 
Because that's basically what the Chiefs were last year. They were 6th in passing defense and 29th in rushing defense by DVOA. And yes, it helped that they had Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill in that explosive offense, but the fact that they had a really good passing defense and a really good offense was enough to win them football games, enough to win them games in the postseason, and enough to win them a Super Bowl against a team that was really successful running the ball on them. They got the critical turnover they needed. They caught the interception that Kevin King dropped. And in the second half, their offense came alive. Now, part of that was it seemed like Kyle Shanahan didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. And there were a host of factors that led to that quote-unquote collapse. But the run defense was not the downfall for that team. They were able to play well enough. I mean, the 49ers averaged like over six yards a carry in the Super Bowl. Didn't matter. It didn't matter because the passing defense was really good and because the passing offense for the Chiefs was really good. And and look, Damian Williams was, you know, a borderline Super Bowl MVP. He was really good for the Chiefs on the ground and helped salt that game away late. So the Packers have the formula here. Be really good as a passing defense. Be not all-time bad as a rush defense and have a good offense. That's enough. But it's not enough if you don't play that way in the playoffs. And unfortunately, in the Aaron Rodgers era, the defense has come up short too many times. That can't be what they do now because Rodgers, at least for multiple games, and when we saw against the Seahawks, Rodgers was really good against the Seahawks. Aaron Jones you know, did not get off but was able to score in close. And then the defense was able to hold off the Seahawks late after playing really well most of the game. Well, that has to be the formula because Aaron Rodgers is probably not going to go out and win a shootout where you have to score 45 points. Certainly not going to do that for multiple games. So if you can't stop opposing passing games, this version of the Green Bay Packers is not going to be successful in the playoffs. You have to be able to do it because this offense is just not as explosive as it has been. And if you want to win in the playoffs, you have to have that kind of balance if your quarterback is not going to be the guy who for three games, can just absolutely take over. Rodgers is an all-time great player, and maybe he's capable of one more playoff run, two more playoff runs. You know, wouldn't that be great to see that? We didn't see it against San Francisco. We saw it against Seattle. We didn't see it against San Francisco, at least not until the second half. He got warmed up, but the Packers were already down, you know, double digits, and the game was, was mostly out of hand, so it didn't much matter. Now, at the same time, you look at what the Chiefs did. The Chiefs were down you know what, three scores against the Texans and were able to come back to win because the defense eventually made some stops. Green Bay, I mean, the Packers were able to come back and score some points against San Francisco, but the defense was not able to stop the bleeding. If the Packers want to win in the postseason, they have to be able to get those critical stops. You still need your defense. Even though I'm I'm team don't really care about run defense, that doesn't mean I don't care about defense, period. Because the Packers have proven you still need your defense to show up in the playoffs if you want to win a Super Bowl. Before we finish up, I just want to mention that Matt LaFleur, uh, in, a, in a Zoom call with reporters earlier this week, talked about how excited he was for Dexter Williams. And that is not something that I think we all thought would be a thing when you go back to last season, you know, they they finally, Jamal Williams gets hurt and look like, okay, Dexter Williams is going to get a shot to play. 
And instead, they elevate Trey Carson, and he plays against the Cowboys. And it's just sort of like, what are they, what are they doing? I don't get it. Why are they doing that? And it was because, frankly, they didn't trust Dexter Williams. Trey Carson allegedly played more football, but like not really. He was technically in the NFL more than Dexter Williams, but did he play a lot more football? No, not materially. It seems like Dexter Williams has been busting his ass in the offseason, which is great to see. You want someone with that much physical ability. I mean, he's a one-cut runner, outside zone guy all day. He is tailor-made for this offense. And if he knows what to do, if he knows where to be, he can be a legitimate contributor to this offense. The Packers can benefit from Dexter Williams reaching his potential because he makes the decisions next offseason easier. You draft A.J. Dillon, Dexter Williams come to the fore now. Okay, Aaron Jones, here are these two guys that are good. They're useful players. If you want a bunch of money, that's great. Go get it. Otherwise, these guys are good. And if he's if Aaron Jones says, hey, you know what? Look, I understand Green Bay is the best place for me, so... Um, you know, let's work out a deal. Let's, you know, give me something. Let's, let's do cost plus with Austin Eckler. Give me that deal plus some. And in two years, we'll renegotiate it after the, the media deal gets re-upped. Okay, cool. Jamal Williams, you are a hell of a Packer and uh, seems like a really great guy and such a personality in the locker room. Um, go make another locker room better because the Packers have three guys under contract that they feel really good about. That's what they could do. That gives them a lot of flexibility. And that's what you want if you're Matt LaFleur because clearly they want three running backs they can trust. When Matt LaFleur went to the combine, he were talking about the running back position and he said, look, we need to find a third guy. And they were so dead set on finding a third guy, they used a second round pick on one. And then in the offseason, it turns out Dexter Williams really made some strides. So could Jamal Williams be a, a cut? Could Jamal Williams be a trade piece? Uh, I think these are all things that are on the table. And, and certainly next offseason, it's hard to imagine all four of these players on this roster. But if Dexter can give them something, he has real talent. And I actually think as a prospect, he's a better prospect or was a better prospect coming out than Jamal Williams which to me makes it a no-brainer that if he gets the mental side of this down, if he knows where to be, if he understands the playbook, all that stuff, that he makes sense to be on this Packers team long-term more than Jamal Williams, despite the fact that Williams is, again, a a really great locker room guy, friends with Aaron Jones, and, and just a positive presence to be around, a great guy to interview. I mean, all that stuff. You don't ever wish on someone, you know, someone leaving who is that kind of player but I, I think the Packers can make that sort of calculation and say, look, he's going to land with a team. He's going to be fine. It's not like they're putting him out. They're not cutting him. His contract is up. And, you know, he can he can go get paid somewhere else. Hopefully, if Green Bay does not resign him, that he can get paid somewhere else. Maybe even be more like a 1A or a 1B type wherever he goes. We're going to be back tomorrow talking a lot more Packers football. Uh, and the Packers are going to be on the field. And we're going to get to see them eventually pretty soon, pretty soon. So we're going to, we're inching closer. We're inching closer to the NFL season. Uh, the NFL seems to be waiting right now to see what college is going to do. They're not going to take over Saturday. As I mentioned this yesterday, um, that it would make sense if they did, they were thinking about it. They were looking at it. It's not a done deal yet, but it would make sense for green Bay and would make sense for the NFL 
given the revenue losses that they're dealing with amid the coronavirus pandemic, of course. So we'll see what happens. There's something to monitor as we move forward. Green Bay uh, brought in Malik Turner. Now they also signed a Lions receiver. Um, and I don't, I don't know that we need to spend much time. I mean, it, it's what you do in COVID times. These are guys who are borderline 53 players. You know, they're borderline roster guys, and and you need them because you need those kinds of players in a year where, you know, you may lose Marquez Valdez-Scaling for two weeks because he gets COVID. I mean, this this is just something that is more likely above and beyond. You have the football part. You're going to have injuries every year, so you want to you want to have the deepest roster possible. But you're going to have football injuries, and then you have this other thing that's looming over your season that could potentially shorten, you know, the number of games that that your your roster could be playing. So finding more guys who fit on a 53-man roster is always a good idea. You know what else is always a good idea? Subscribing to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked On Packers.